Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Listen, if you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for doing so. Many people watch our services live as well as the replay throughout the week. But I did want to extend an invitation to you. If you're ever in Texas in College Station, why don't you come out to a New Heights Church service live? I promise you, me and everybody here will make you feel right at home. In Jesus' name. All right, I want to talk this morning just for a few minutes. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, 13 and 44. It's going to be our foundational scripture for this series. Matthew 13 and 44 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, which when a man found, he hid it and for the joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Everybody say treasure. treasure. The series that I'm starting today, I'm calling Gold Rush. Because the truth of the matter is, there is a massive gold rush available if you and I will get involved in it. The scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, the, the, the premise of gold mining is that you have to take a whole lot of something that is not valuable... In order to find a little bit of something that is valuable. This thing back here that Kip made for us and did a great job of it. Is, is a, a, a wash plant. A version of a wash plant or a sluice box is what they would call it. And so what they'll do is they'll take dirt and they'll put it in the top of this sluice box. And then they'll begin to wash all the dirt. And all the dirt will wash out the end. And the valuable gold will get caught up in this box right here at the bottom. But the, the, the bigger picture is, is if you have a significant gold mine, you're moving around thousands and thousands and thousands. Thousands of yards of dirt. Dump truck after dump truck after dump truck. And I've seen these shows on television where they'll do this for an entire week. And then the amount of gold that they catch will fit in a dinner plate. So they move literally mountains of dirt for a dinner plate of gold. The scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's like gold. Hidden in a field. Everybody say field. Now a field is very interesting because a field, no matter what part of the earth you are on, generally speaking, is comprised or consists of dirt. Simply dirt. It's a different type of dirt depending on where you are. But most of the time the field is just made of dirt. In the book of Genesis, the Bible said God was there and he said, let us make man in our likeness and our image. And he took his holy hands and he did, he dug them into the dirt or the dust of the earth and he stood humanity up in front of him. And the Bible says, uh, in one translation, it almost indicates like he was looking at his shadow and tracing his shadow with his hands. That's why when you get to heaven, God's not going to look like a three headed monster. He's going to look a lot like me. He's going to look like a lot like us. 
We're made in his likeness and his image. So he, he shaped mankind up and he stood mankind up. And now you had effectively a field or some dirt that was standing up. And then all of a sudden, instantaneously, God took the pneuma or his breath and he breathed into humanity. And now the secret treasure of heaven, the life of God was placed on the inside of a field. And God began to work with man and talk to man and realize that all of a sudden, now he had a representative here on planet earth to subdue planet earth. In other words, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A field is made of dirt. The reality is the kingdom of heaven is hidden inside of you and me. The kingdom of heaven is hidden inside that neighbor that you don't like. Oh, but you don't know, preacher. You don't understand. You're talking about the dirt. I ain't worried about the dirt. I'm worried about the treasure. He said, he said, literally, he said, literally, the kingdom of heaven is like gold or a treasure hidden in a field. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, I believe it's verse 2. It says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. But it's the honor of kings to search it out. It's the glory of God to conceal. Now, why would it be the glory of God to conceal a thing? Because if you find it, he knows you had to look for it. See, my wife, Crystal, when I first met her, I didn't know everything about her. There were depths to who she is. That I had to search out and still do to this day. Because for me, it is my honor to pursue her at the highest level I can. It's my honor to find those secret things. Ladies, let me just say it like this. Stop throwing your pearls before pigs. There is a lot of glory in you concealing some stuff. Just because he opened the door for you does not mean he deserves to hear those secret things in your heart yet. Oh, that's really good preaching. Well, thank you very much. See, what happens is God says, the scripture said, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings. And you and me are kings and priests under the most high God. But he says, it's our honor to search it out. That word glory and honor in, in the original language is the exact same word. And it's almost like there's a scale. And the scale is balanced whenever we are actively seeking what God has hidden for us to find. Have you ever played hide and seek with a kid? They don't have to know where you are. They're just excited that they get to play. Why? Because it's their joy to go and pursue that which is hidden. Amen. The scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And a man found it and he went and sold everything he had to go and buy it. Now, interesting about a gold mine, you can't just go buy the gold out of it. If there's a thousand acres and it, and it has gold in it or there's treasure in it, you can't just go buy the gold out of it and ask somebody to bring it to you cleaned up and ready to go so you can make a necklace. You have to take all the dirt to get the treasure. You have to take the truckloads of dirt to get the treasure. The scripture says a man found it 
and sold everything he had in order to buy it. See, Jesus was sitting at the right hand of his father in heaven, had access to everything, had never known sickness, had never seen anything other than what, had never experienced firsthand anything other than heaven. And then he looked down and he saw the treasure that you were. And he left everything up there to buy me and you. The scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Somebody say treasure. Treasure. Hidden in a field. And literally, he left it all to come and buy you and me. I'm not interested in the dirt, but I'm very interested in the treasure. I'm not interested in how much we have to move. We'll stop digging when we find the gold. See, in your life and my life, the harvest is ripe. There are people all around you and me at work. There's people in our families. There's people in different uh, uh, extracurricular activities that we have contact with. There's neighbors. And they're all there. But the problem is we've got to get past the dirt To find the treasure. Let me just make it personal. When you were dating your spouse, all you saw was treasure. And now you can't figure out why he leaves his dirty boots in front of the couch. The dirt was always there. You just find what you're looking for. I wonder, see, in, 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 in business and uh, when you're doing real estate deals, you almost always have to have a survey. And a survey is done by a surveyor. Hmm. But the surveyor goes and tells you, it doesn't, he, doesn't go, he or she doesn't go change the land. He goes and tells you what's there. I don't want to be just a surveyor in life. I want to be a miner. I want to be a treasure hunter. Sure, I need to know, maybe need to know some of the topography to know what kind of equipment I need to bring. In other words, if somebody's dealing with one thing, then you might be sending a different piece of equipment or somebody who's had a different experience to go talk to them. But at the end of the day, I'm not interested in just the survey of what's there because I can, anybody can see what is there. I'm interested in some gold miners that are called things that are not as if they already were. Somebody that will look for the gold and the treasure on the inside of the dirt. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter number nine. Genesis chapter number nine. I'm going to land this airplane real quick. Genesis chapter number nine. This is right after Noah gets off the boat. He offers that sacrifice to God, which comes up as a sweet perfume. This is now the next chapter. It's right after this. And the Bible says, Noah, verse 20, 9 and 20, says Noah became, uh, uh, became a husbandman or a man of the soul, of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. Everybody say planter. The minute God told Noah, seed time and harvest is going to be the way for you to move forward, Noah instantly started planting. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't be a hearer of the word only, but also be a doer of the word. The amount of the Bible, let let me just tell you something. Everything is not possible for you. 
It's possible for you if you believe it. It's possible for you if you believe it. You have to believe the word of God. It is your faith in God's Bible that activates the supernatural in your life. If you walk around saying, I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that. You don't have to worry about it. It ain't happening for you. But if you walk around saying, I believe with God, all things are possible. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. These things and greater shall he, shall shall you do. If you begin to build yourself up on your most holy faith, following after the things of God, declaring uh, declaring the things of God. Jesus himself said, nothing is impossible to him that believes. The first thing you got to do is believe it. You want to go to heaven, you better believe on Jesus. You don't want to go to heaven, don't. But don't look for me there. But the minute that you put your faith in what God said, now all of a sudden everything, somebody say everything, everything is possible. Limitations are off of your life the minute you choose to believe God. Limitations are off of your life. And then the next step is not just believing it, but it's actually doing the word of God. God gave us many precepts. And if we follow those precepts, we can experience and walk in God's promises. Everybody say precept and promise. You follow the precept, you get the promise. That's how it works with God. You follow the precept, you get the promise. No different than if you were to tell your kids, hey, if you'll clean your room, we'll go get some ice cream. If you don't clean your room, if they don't clean their room, you didn't stop the deal. They stopped the deal. We got people shaking their fist at God saying, why did you stop the deal? And he's going, I didn't stop nothing. You didn't follow the precept. Oh God, how come this is always happening? How come that's always happening? How come my money's never touching and agreeing? Malachi chapter three. He said, if you're not a tither and an offerer, you're living underneath the curse. But if you'll return unto me, I will return unto you. I will open the windows of heaven and I will slap the devil off of your money. I said, well, well, how do you know that? It's in the Bible. Do you believe it? With every fiber of my being, I believe it. What if you don't see it? I'm not living by what I see. I'm living by faith in God's holy Bible. And it becomes a complete shift for you. So now everything becomes possible because you believe it. And now you're not just a hearer of the word, but you're a doer also. As soon as Noah found out, hey, seed time and harvest is going to exist as long as the earth remains. He stomped his foot two times, realized the earth was still there. He said, well, I better become a sower. All of a sudden, he begins to walk in the blessing. Not only was he, was he good at it, he, he owned the largest garden on planet earth. He had all the livestock. He had, he had the biggest zoo on earth. He had his kids were the best looking kids on the planet. He had it all because he was the only one. Every one of us can trace our lineage back to Noah because of his obedience. He found out God told me to build a boat. I built the boat. When I built the boat, he rescued my family. If he told me about seed time and harvest, I think I'm going to do that too. He began to get involved in it. Somebody say amen to that. So the scripture says, uh, verse 21, after he did that, he drank some of the wine and he got drunk and was uncovered. He was naked in his tent. Yikes. Verse 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, Ham was Noah's son. 
Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers, his brethren that were outside the tent. So Noah gets drunk, passes out in his tent, doesn't have any clothes on. And Ham walks in somehow and ceases his nudity. Can I say it differently? He walks in and sees his flesh. He walks in and sees the dirt. And the Bible says as soon as he saw the dirt, he went, to, he went outside and he started talking about the dirt. As soon as he saw the dirt, he walked outside and he started talking about the dirt. Now, let, let's just get this in perspective. His daddy's name is Noah. He's passed out drunk in a tent. The most historians believe that it took about a hundred years to build the ark, the big boat that they rode on. So for a hundred years, Noah was ridiculed while he was building a boat, telling everybody it's going to rain. Now, it had never rained before. <laughs> it's not like here, it rains every day. <laughs> it had never rained before. It had, and, and everybody's ridiculing him. You crazy preacher. What are you talking about? It's going to rain. Well, God's going to send all these animals two by two. He's going to send a breeding pair of each kind of animal. They're going to come get on the boat. God's going to put my family on the boat and it's going to be amazing. And everybody's going, are you nuts, man? It wouldn't have surprised me if people didn't go get uh, uh, lawn chairs and set them outside and just sit there and watch him building the boat. Didn't have power tools. Didn't have chainsaws. Didn't have... Uh, uh, cranes to move the big timbers around him and his sons. They were building it. And for a hundred years, they built this boat. The Bible said, God said, all right, go ahead and get in the boat. They get in the boat. And when they get in the boat, the Bible says that God reaches down and shuts the door. Some of you need to recognize when God closes the door, it's for your benefit. The Bible says they get on the boat. His sons and their wives and all the animals. And not only was Noah uh, obedient, he was also pretty sharp because he must have taken enough food and everything for the animals to have while they were on there. And I don't know about you, but uh, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And again, most historians believe that they were actually on the boat for about a year. Somewhere between 360 and 380 days. Could you imagine being anywhere for a year? Let alone cleaning up after elephants. <laughs> Don't you know the, the, the brothers would, would come in and so Noah would tell them, give them their walking orders. And, and every one of them's like, I'll take the hummingbirds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see here. Shem, you got the hummingbirds. Jay, Jay Pep, you, I'm going to give you, let's see. You're going to take the... You have the possums today. He's like, okay, yeah. Ham, you got the rhinos. <laughs> for a year. Then the Bible says that it's finally dry enough for them to get out of the boat, to get out of the boat. When they get out of the boat, the first thing he does is he builds an altar. And he makes a sacrifice, an offering to God. And this offering stimulated revelation, knowledge, and a promise. A beautiful rainbow in the sky that God said, it, 
this is going to be a sign for you that I will never totally destroy the earth with a flood again. In other words, for about a hundred, 101 years, Noah has been steadfastly rescuing his family. And he has one bad day. And all of a sudden, his son starts talking about him. I wonder if we couldn't be a church that ignored the dirt and just looked for the treasure. I wonder if we couldn't get so good at loving people and pointing them to Christ that we completely ignored the dirt. The Bible says that he saw his his nakedness and he went out immediately and he told his brothers about it. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and they laid it upon their shoulders and they walked backwards and they covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward. They wouldn't look at their father and they didn't see his flesh. I'm wondering if you didn't hear about something about somebody else because God was trying to trust you to cover it and not expose it. I'm wondering if, if you didn't hear that thing that they did because God was trying to get somebody that would walk in love at a level high enough that would actually cover it. The Bible says in first Peter, it says love covers a multitude of sins. He says that, that, that Ham walked in there and as soon as he walked in, he began to expose or talk about the dirt. And verse 24, Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done. And he said, curse be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. Now, it, if you don't get a picture of anything else, I want you to get a picture of this because some of you may have some prodigal sons or daughters that are out there acting like goofballs right now. Let me just tell you something. Noah woke up. Amen. Noah had a bad day and still woke up. The Bible says that the prodigal son, whenever he left his daddy's uh, farm and ranch and went out by himself, there was a day and he was surrounded by pigs and he was looking at what the pigs were eating. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he came to himself. He woke up. Our prodigal sons and daughters wake up. They don't stay in that stuff forever. The difference is when you see somebody's dirt... Can you cover it knowing they're going to wake up? What they don't need is another label put on them that they have to live with the rest of their life. What, what could have happened is, is Noah could have been labeled. You remember, uh, Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. Nobody can even hardly say his name without saying blind Bartimaeus because of the label. Nobody can even hardly say the name Thomas from the Bible without saying doubting Thomas because he doubted Jesus. Well, that was just one moment in time, which would have been almost impossible to believe anyway. And for the rest of, uh, uh, the time that most people even speak about Thomas, they call him a label from one moment. If you walk in and you see somebody's flesh, you walk in and you see somebody's dirt, I wish you'd be the type of Christian that says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to cover this and make sure nobody sees it because there's a day coming when they're going to wake up and I don't want somebody thinking that that's who they are because I know that's a son or a daughter of the Most High God. 
Where we start walking in backwards saying, I'm just going to cover it. Where somebody starts trying to talk to you negative about another Christian and you just go, I'd just rather not hear it. Praise the Lord. When somebody tries to talk to me about another believer, I like to say this. I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you believe they're a Christian? And if they say yes, I say, great. Well, let me tell you what. I know I'm a Christian. If they're a Christian and I'm a Christian, you are talking about my family. Please stop talking about my family. I need three people to give God a hand of praise right there. Because that one thing will set you free. Other Christians are not your competition. Blowing out their candle doesn't make yours brighter. Your adversary is the devil. It is our job to love people and point them to Christ. And if you ever have the honor of seeing somebody's flesh or seeing somebody's dirt, it's because God is wanting you to cover that instead of exposing it to the rest of the world. It's a total shift. It's where love doesn't become a thing. It becomes the thing. The scripture says that Noah awoke. He woke up out of it. Somebody say woke up. Your prodigal sons and daughters are going to wake up. That's what's going to happen. And and, and you're not going to. But if you ever had a bad day, you're going to wake up. And we're going to do our best not to tell everybody about your nudity. But it's a shift. Because... The kingdom of heaven is a treasure hidden in some dirt. You come in here looking for some dirt when I'm preaching, you're going to find plenty. But if you go, I, I'm not interested in the dirt. I want the treasure that's in that man. I'm going to pull out of him the best. My, did you know our worship team is the best on the planet as far as I'm concerned? Come on. Do you love our worship team at all? But you can pull out of them more than they can put out. You can pull out of me more than I'm capable of pulling out. Because that expectation, that pulling, that mining of the treasure that's on the inside, it just starts to pull and pull and pull. Now take your favorite preacher on TV. It doesn't matter what they say. You're, oh, amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Now your least favorite preacher on TV, I don't know why he said that. I don't know why she said that. Ah. If you don't watch preachers on TV, just think about a politician. Your favorite politician, they could say something just stupid as a stick. And you would go, oh, that's not how they meant it. Because you just want the treasure. You just see the treasure. But a politician that you don't like, they could cure cancer. And you would say, well, they're putting a lot of doctors out of work. Because all you care about is the dirt. Whatever you say. He said, seek and you'll find. What are you looking for? We don't need any help finding the dirt. We want to know what's buried down deep. We, we want to know, we want to know what, 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 what's below the surface. I want to know what hasn't been seen yet. 
I want I want to I want to know what what's what's in the depths of who you are. I want to move all the dirt out of the way from everything that somebody said about you or the insecure thoughts that have plagued you. And I want to just find that treasure and make sure everybody knows we're paying no attention to your dirt. We just want the treasure. But the problem is you can't buy just the treasure. He said he bought the field. Jesus purchased you knowing you still have a lot of dirt. He purchased you knowing you still have issues. Look at your neighbor right in the face. Just right right in the eyeballs. Just say, he's talking about you. (laughs) Just kidding, kind of. When they come out, they don't need a new label. Verse 25 said, cursed be Canaan. Interestingly enough, Canaan was not his son. Canaan was his grandson. Parents, lock in with me for two minutes. This might be the most important thing I say if you're a parent. If you're a Christian and and you've lived for God for a while, it's easy to get into this, this, uh, almost like our Christianity is like a switch we turn off and on. And so a conversation could go like this or or just a, a monologue. And it's almost like we're just venting, right? And we'll say, can you believe they did that? I mean, they just, they said this to me. They looked at me. Ah, and we're just, we're just, just, just gnashing our teeth basically at them. Ah. But then all of a sudden we go, but praise the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm going to forgive them. So you talk about the forgiveness for like three seconds after 30 minutes of running them in the ground. Right? You can probably survive that. But your offspring heard the 30 minutes and missed the three seconds. See, what Ham did didn't adversely affect him. It hurt his kids. The reason this is so clear in the scripture is because God knows there are things that you wouldn't do for yourself. But you'd do them for your kids. Some of you hadn't had a salad in five months, but your kids have never missed their Flintstone vitamin because you will do for your offspring what you won't even do for yourself. So he was trying to show us that if you live a life and all you do is just survey the land and talk about the dirt, you risk that getting on your kids. Because that cynicism that you're walking in, you might be able to nullify by the, by the fact that you're just venting. I hate that statement, by the way. I hate it. I'm just venting. Show me that in the Bible. I'm just venting for a minute. Can I just vent? Well, does the Bible say that we can? Does the Bible say to run our neighbor down and then put a comma and go, but I forgive him? The answer is no, it does not, just so we're clear. Everybody's like, well, it might. I don't know. I like it. Makes me feel better on the inside. Temporarily. What happens is, is that cynicism, you can probably nullify it. 
And you probably are just venting. You're just going through life. But you're not of the world. You're an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And amongst all your dirt, there's some treasure. And amongst every person that you love or don't like, there's treasure in them too. In them too. And God's trying to find people that will mine for gold and not just complain about the dirt. They work for a week. Hundreds if not thousands of dump trucks full of dirt for a dinner plate, a pie pan full of gold. Did you know the gold wouldn't be near as valuable if it was just laying on the surface? Anybody could just go pick it up? The reality is the value is in what it costs to get it. Sometimes I wonder why God chose me to do anything. I'll tell you this. If he can use me, I promise he can use you. Wait a minute. (laughs) Well, now I'm not so sure. If he can use me, he can use anybody. That's a fact. Sometimes I've wondered, you know, why? And nobody's done everything right, but I'll tell you a couple things. I've been brought into different environments with different men of God. And I've seen some flesh. Some of it was totally justifiable by the world standards. Some of it was not. And a lot of that will go to my grave. Because he didn't call me to expose dirt. He called me to excavate the treasure. I didn't want them thinking about the dirt when they walked out of that room to step on that platform. I wanted them dead focused on what God was trying to deposit in them to distribute to the people. I wanted to see and experience the power of God. I've seen, I've literally seen blind eyes open. Literally seen people that can't see, see. I've literally seen deaf people get their hearing like that. Literally. So why does it happen every time? Why don't we see it every time? I don't know. But I know what he told us to do. And I know what he told us to believe for. So I'm not changing it just because sometimes we don't see what we think we ought to see in a moment. There's more things at play than what we can actually see. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs that couldn't walk. I've seen, I've seen people with, with massive surgeries go and, and get uh, another x-ray. There was one guy, he had his spine uh, fused together. And I was in a service one time and this guy was praying and this guy all of a sudden just turns his head like that. And his, his spine was fused together at the neck. And his wife screamed. Nobody else even knew anything happened. And, and we're like, what? And she says, his, his spine is fused together. He cannot move his neck. And he's sitting there just, just like that. So he goes to the doctor, gets an x-ray, and just 
as if a laser had gone in and done it, every one of those pins or bolts that they put in was sheared perfectly right where those vertebrae were and he had no pain whatsoever. I've seen some stuff. But I've also seen some flesh. And I found out how much flesh that you see and you're willing to cover is directly proportional to your access and it is directly proportional to the anointing that God will allow you to walk in. How much flesh can you cover? We're not talking about, you know, ignoring sin and rewriting the Bible, that stupidity. But how much dirt can you see and still go after the gold? How, how much dirt are you willing to move to find it? What about in your own life? When we're always reminded about what we did. That's like, that's like the devil just taking shovels, shovels full of dirt and just throwing them back on us as soon as the treasure starts to show itself. Next week, I'm going to teach on the washing. What do we do with the dirt? You got to wash it away. They call them a wash plant. They put all the dirt in, they wash it out, and the treasure is left. Next week, I'm going to teach you how to wash all the dirt away. Not just other people. But what do I do with the dirt in my own life? Many of you are sitting there, and you've always felt inadequate or... Uh, you've always felt unworthy. It's not true. The reality is that's all of us. We're all inadequate and unworthy. But the minute the word of God is applied, the minute you get in Christ, now all of a sudden you're truly a new creature. And you've got to get good at washing that dirt away. Because the treasure on the inside of you needs to be poured out for somebody else who needs to hear your story. Somebody needs to hear what God did for you. Somebody needs to hear what God, what, what God did for your family. Somebody needs to hear about what God is doing through you, through your church. Somebody needs to hear about that. Because the more your treasure you're willing to sow... The Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a person sows, that shall you also reap. In other words, you go sowing grace and forgiveness. The one day out of 101 years when you need it, it'll be there. I think Christianity is moving into a season where we're going to stop eating our wounded And we're going to start walking backwards and covering it up so nobody else sees it. Can you say amen to that? Let's give God a big hand of praise. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. 
that is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.